tired of seeing other writers with less talent make more money? It's annoying, isn't it? If that's happened to you or it's happening to you now, this is the podcast for you because there is a strategy to alleviate this age-old problem and it's super easy to apply. And the man to tell us about it is Paul McCarthy. And Paul is the founder of The Marketing Club and one of Australia's most successful marketing coaches. He's the best-selling author of the book, Eight Steps to a Remarkable Business, and he's an international award-winning speaker, and he's amazing. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. Now, we run Australia's most popular copywriting courses, and we help those who have a knack with words turn that passion into profit. As we'll hear in this podcast from Paul, copywriting is the go-to career for anyone looking to future-proof their employability, as we all know that every company, big or small, needs content, that most can't or don't want to write that content and will pay good money to have it done for them. If that's you, if you're interested in becoming a copywriter, get started now by taking a look at our flagship course, Copywriting Essentials. You can find out more by visiting writercenter.com.au forward slash essentials. And if you like this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Great to have you on. Oh, it's my pleasure, Bernadette. Always great to spend time with you. Thank you. Well, we've, we go back a long way, Paul. And just for the audience's um, perspective, Paul and I met uh, through the National Speakers Association over 20 years ago, and Paul gave you my first gig as a professional speaker. So I'm indebted to you, Paul, for introducing me to fear and <laughs> and pain and all the things that go with being a speaker. Now that's not true. No, it was a really great, great opportunity. So uh, but you're, you're a marketer from way back. What's your background, Paul? What, what led you into the marketing world? Well, I stumbled in actually, Bernadette, my educational degree is, is actually in community development. So I, I was a high school dropout, dropped out of school in year 10. I hated school. I hated uh, the way that teachers spoke to students. I think I, I just wasn't a fan. So I got out of there and, and was pursuing some other um, athletic goals and things at that time. And then uh, went back to school, got my education later as an adult got a degree in community development but it was actually my journey as a musician so I was a muso for a long time and uh, through that journey I had to juggle lots of sales marketing type roles to uh, keep the the fires burning keep the family fed that sort of stuff so uh, and I what I discovered was I, I was quite good at it so and, and then I sort of uh, went into uh, running a call center owning a call center uh, and then stumbled into coaching, consulting people, and and that's led me to where I am now. So I really, uh, my marketing chops, if you like, have come from real world, in the trenches, running businesses, working with business owners side by side with them. And so that's that's where I've uh, sort of developed my skill from, just actually doing it. And who do you work with now? What kind of work do you do? Uh, so it's pretty broad spectrum, but I, my primary business is focused on um, helping service professionals, so anyone who's trying to sell the invisible, figure out how to communicate their talent more effectively. So one of the things I learned on my music journey was, uh, you know, I met lots of insanely talented musicians um, that unfortunately no one's ever heard of and they never will because the, the first lesson we have all got to get certainly as entrepreneurs is that talent simply is not enough. It's not about being the best and 
invariably many of your listeners will probably already know there are people in a marketplace right now making more money than them who have less talent. So that that's really a consequence of people having a, a much clearer way of communicating their skills and uh, not so much about focusing on becoming better at the thing they're already good at. I see that all the time, Paul, with the students that I coach that, uh, you know, you've got your Shakespeare's who uh, are beautiful writers and uh, you know, effortless in some respects, but they can't get a client. They mm. just don't have that facility, you know, that the skill set to do so, all the confidence. And the other side, you've got these okay writers who are making a fortune because they've got that ability to communicate and deal with a client. And so you need both, right? But I don't think you need as much talent as you do this ability to communicate. As you've just said. You know, no, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, uh, as I say, I've done pretty well. Um, you know, copywriting is one of the aspects of, of the services that I provide to clients. And I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, there's a lot of better writers than me. But it's it's really the ability to, you know, communicate and build a story with the client and, and focus in on what they really need that draws them into going, yeah, we will get you to do it for us. So that's, that's uh, definitely a reality. Let's talk about how you do that because I know everyone listening is well, Paul, tell me what's the secret. So what, what are some of the problems, you know, that, let's talk about copywriters because that's the, the key people listening here. What do they do wrong, if you like? What is it that they, they stumble on that stops them from getting paid what they're worth? Look, I think the, the first mistake that copywriters and probably most businesses make is that they uh, fall into the trap of going into a convincing mode. Um, and so I always talk about you know, selling is easily divided into two modes, convincing selling and discovery selling. And so I think the first error is that um, they are trying to convince people to buy from them, which means that the conversation has become all about them. Um, it's uh, and you, and we know those people. It's it's when people listing off all of their credentials and and I say, but that's not the motivation for someone to choose you. You actually have to step into your customer shoes, understand the audience you serve. And figure out what their pain points are so that you can start to communicate and write about that. Um, and that's what draws people in because people come looking for a solution to their problem. They don't come to sit and read your bio about how awesome you are. Um, and I think that's where it starts. So, you know, uh, many copywriters, even when they're providing their services, often fall into that trap of delivering to the customer, not really copy that's going to help the customer because it's it might be you know, floating their ego in terms of pumping them up, but it's not going to create the business outcomes for them because it's not actually the, the right type of copy. So, and, you know, we might talk about uh, if we have time, the, the various types of copy that people need from a marketing perspective, but, um, you know, this is the reality that most people are, are way too self-focused and really the key is to become customer focused. And that's the challenge is figuring out. And probably the first stumbling block for a lot of people is, um, they're afraid to narrow their focus um, for fear that they will miss out on opportunities. So they stay super broad with their messaging and their communication, thinking that if I'm broader, surely that means I will attract more. But my experience is the complete opposite of that. It's about the, the clearer you are about who you do work with and who you don't work with, the faster you'll start to get a client base going. But as long as you stay in the general bucket of I'll take anybody with a heartbeat and a wallet, and you know, to be honest, you know, the heartbeat's optional um, sort of mentality of client selection, then you're going to be in trouble. So it is about um, you know, that that whole less is more sort of principle. Love it, Paul. So talk to us about how a copywriter might do that. You know, they're sitting there thinking, I, I have never done this before, I have no experience. Surely I should just 
be all things to all people because whoever comes my way, I can you know ask for the for the order. So what what are the mechanics of actually um, that having that conversation with somebody? Yeah. So the the principle that I um, teach to the businesses that I work with is uh, the umbrella principle. Um, so first, shifting their mindset about how uh, they go about. So as I was saying, most people will speak in a broad band of things that they can do. And they're basically, so if you think about it as a, uh, as a line um, that they are blasting out everything they can do to everybody. So that the first thing is to twist that and turn it on its head so that we go from kind of this horizontal line where I'm blasting out everything to a vertical area of expertise, the thing I want to be known for. So um, again, to, to sort of draw on my old music background, when musicians go into a studio um, and we you know, put down our body of work, all of the songs, we put them together and we walk out of it and we call that an album. But when you walk out with your album, no musician then goes to the market and starts promoting the album per se. They focus on a single. So they create a single focus because what they're looking for is one song to be played on high rotation to become known because that's your calling card. That's the thing that grabs the attention. So we create a single focus for people to bring them into our world. And then over time, when they're in our world, they will learn about the other services that we have. But if, an, if a musician went to a radio stations and said, look, just play any song that you, off this album, just I don't care, just play something, and everyone was doing that, well, you'd have this scattered approach that wouldn't build any momentum behind it. So there's a reason why songs, when they're added to you know, an FM station, for example, are played on high rotation because they want somebody to hear it as quickly as possible six times so that they become familiar with the melody. It's the same for us. We need a, a, a pathway of creating familiarity with an audience and that means staying on one thing long enough for that to happen and get known for that thing. So when you think about, you know, that, that twist, so if you think about the shaft of the umbrella, that is your area of expertise. That's the thing that you're known for. Um, and so at the end of that, obviously there's a handle on an umbrella. Well, that's the hook. So that is your unique way of going about that area of expertise, the way that you do what you do, the focus that you bring to it. So we can all find our own nuance then, the, the way that we do it. Um, it might be that we do it in a very particular um, environment, a vertical market. So we, we have the hook that leads into our area of expertise. And then as you travel up the shaft of the umbrella and you can picture an umbrella in your mind, you think about the sort of the pointy wave of the uh, umbrella well that's the pain points and that really is your most critical component here is understanding the pains that the audience has what are their problems and challenges and when we're communicating that's where our primary focus should be we're focused in on and matching in the language of our buyer so again very important from a copywriting point of view that you're speaking the language of your buyer so when you describe something we don't describe it with a technical bent or with an in-house jargon we describe it in the exact language the way the customer would describe it so they come and they then they see it they recognize it they're familiar with it and they engage with it because it is where they are uh, so it should always pass what I call the head nod test. So if I'm writing content, I'm reading it and I'm targeting it to a particular audience, that that reader should be nodding their head affirmatively as they're going through going, oh, you are describing me. 
And if that's not happening, then the copy is not on. Uh, it's not really aligned correctly. So we're targeting all of these pain points. And that's when you think about then the panels of the umbrella. Well, the panels are linked to the pain and they are the services that you provide. They are the solution. So as a copywriter, uh, maybe I have a, a service that I offer that I help people with their social posts. Maybe I'm helping them to create their AdWords um, uh, campaigns. Maybe I'm writing their web copy. Maybe I'm helping them with blogging. So they're all the different panels that are linked to a pain. And so you think then about, well, that's the outcome. I, I deliver that service as an outcome to this challenge. Uh, so, and that way, you know, again, at the end of the umbrella is, you know, you usually find a little tip um, at the end. Well, this is the thing for business owners to learn and for, for the copywriters listening is you should always hold as a business owner, the umbrella the wrong way around. You hold it by the little tip because what you want to lead into the marketplace with is your hook into your stream of expertise that flows to this whole cradle of problems that you specialize in solving, which is the ones that will resonate. And then we drive people into the panel of that uh, expertise and solve that problem for them, as opposed to what most people are doing, which is holding the umbrella in the traditional way, thrusting their panel out to the world saying, here's all the things I can do for you. And then wondering why most people like raindrops just bounce off and never become customers. So it, it's really about inverting the whole process of the way we do it. It's uh, if people find out, uh, and this is the reality for a lot of people. Uh, and when I'm sitting with people who have been struggling to attract clients, they will often say something along the lines of, once I get the opportunity, when I'm with a client and I get to do the work, they, they love what I do. So that is, again, evidence that, okay, I'm, I've got enough ability, I've got the talent, but it, what it tells me straight away is they're doing the process in an inverted way. They're, they're not doing it correctly. They're thrusting out because what that tells me is when the customer's gone through the journey and experienced it, now they know you're good but we've got to let people know you're good before you've done the work. And then that creates the desire to do the work in the first place. So if people are in that space where, yeah, they, they love me when I've done it, but I just can't get enough people to love me. It's that's because they're doing it in the reverse way, typically. Awesome. So let, let's just talk about the hook. What kind of, starting from the bottom of that umbrella um, and the handle is the hook. What's the, what kind of hooks do you, do you talk about? What kind of hooks could copywriters offer? Do you think? Uh, well, again, the first hook always begins in, from a marketer's point of view, really in the same place, which is who am I talking to? So when the, the heart in my experience from writing copy, the hardest copy to write is when you're not sure who you're writing to. So when you have no target audience and you're just writing, it, it forces you to become vanilla. You start to get really broad and general. And once you do that, then it's very hard to hold the attention of the reader um, because it's not speaking to anyone. It's trying to speak to everyone. So the first is who specifically are you helping? And so it comes back to the point I was making earlier, narrowing the band, not being afraid to turn off some of the options and say, yeah, I'm, I'm not, um, you know, the copywriter for everybody, you know, so mm. I'm, I'm picking a lane uh, as it were. So that's your starting point. Now, um, targets can move, but I mean, if, if we were, for example, uh, you know, obviously on a website, on, on your website, you're going to start to narrow in on, on who you service. But when you're in a, um, a live social event, networking, for example, uh, you know, assuming that 
these things are allowed to happen again and we can get back and be in rooms with people. But if you're in a, in a social networking event, uh, there's 20 people in a room and you get your 60 seconds to communicate. The first thing I would do if I was in that position is go, okay, who is in this room? So what type of business? Am I surrounded by not-for-profits? Am I surrounded by um, small business owners? Am I surrounded by um, CEOs of large companies? Who am I talking to? Because the way I would begin would be by saying, well, I specialize in helping and fill in that blank, that group. So because that's the first step to getting someone to lean in and go, okay, well, you're still talking to me. It's relevant to me to listen at this point um, because uh, I'm sure um, your listeners, Bernadette, are, are familiar with the concept of the, the reticular activating system, this filter, which is essentially our way of making sure we don't get overloaded. But it's what the key message really of that system is, is to say, we only see the things that are important to us. And you can, you know, my example as well, as you go out and you buy your new red Mazda, the first thing you see on the road is red Mazdas. Why? Because they're important to you now. So all of a sudden, something that was always there becomes visible. So that the first part of the journey is going, okay, well, visibility is about what's important to the audience. And right in that, you know, at that beginning point, you are not yet important to them. That's not what's important to them. What's important to them is someone who's going to help them with a challenge. So step one is, I serve this audience. Step two is now I've got to label a problem, a common enough problem that would capture their attention. So if I'm in a room, small business owners, uh, you know, so I work with small business owners and now I formulate the, the position. So from a copywriter's point of view, who know they do really good work, but they're just not sure how to put that into writing. So now I've framed the problem. Now, hopefully, I've got some people sitting in that room whose heads are nodding going, oh, my goodness, you're talking to me. That's, that's one of my problems. Yeah, we're good at what we do, but our, the way we write about it is we find that really hard to communicate it in words. So, so now we're moving to that next phase. So then it's about, well, you know, so I have a system, I have a process uh, um, that helps people to quickly, you know, create copy that compels people to want to buy from them that creates customers quickly, you know. And so now the person's going, and then I might, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, talk about, you know, and if the I have some sort of resource or tool and I've got a little guide that, you know, uh, can help you with that. So if any of you want a copy, just tell me and I'll, I'll send that to you. Just give me a card. I'll, I'll email that across. Because I think always the best way to start a relationship is by delivering value first. So I think if you stand up and you do a sales pitch where you say, here's what I do, would anybody like to buy? Everyone's already shut down. But if you say, here's who I serve, and I'd be happy to help any of you. And as I say, sometimes if you've got people at the beginning of their journey, maybe they don't have a tool yet. They don't have a resource. Um, and there are, uh, and I think you know of, of places you might be able to recommend, places where people could get some free resources and so forth. Now, obviously, as a writer, it would be ideal that you create some copy because it's not a, it's, it happens on two levels, right? You, you have now packaged up a piece that demonstrates your expertise, but it was also a calling card for somebody else um, to say, well, you could do this for me. I mean, that was one of my um, early realities. Um, I wrote a, uh, back in the, when we had the recession, when it was a 2008 sort of period, somewhere in there. I sat down and I wrote a, a lengthy ebook. It was 80 pages um, called The Survival Trap. 
And it was really about why some businesses survive and others um, you know, struggle to survive and others thrive in these tough economic times. What is it that they're doing? So I wrote this book and I gave it away as a, as a gift and it got you know, downloaded thousands and thousands of times. Now, that, that free book um, at that time generated literally hundreds of thousands of dollars for me. I got speaking gigs all over the place. Um, because I speak, I got um, coaching clients coming through the door. And I can remember clearly an IT company that I worked with, it was um, two guys running this company and I'd met one of them and he was you know, sold on the idea of working together and he wanted me to meet his business partner. We'd sit down. And so I had given them, as was a matter of course for me, a copy of the survival trap. And so when we sat down at this meeting, he said to me, okay, so yep, I'm ready to go, all good. So that booklet that you gave us was fantastic. And, and here's the two things that he said. Number one, he says, I, I trust that we can create something like that for us. And I said, of course. And then he said the other thing, which is even more important. He said, I hope you don't mind, but I've passed that on to three of our clients. Of course I don't mind because that's what it's designed to do. So you want to create really good, valuable content, not a sales document, but a document that people want to give to other people because it's so good. And then that creates that cascading effect. Now, more people are getting to know who you are and they're seeing you actually do the thing that you can help them do and they're getting value. So that's really the pathway. And if people are frightened or, or not ready for that, as I say, the starting point I would do if I was a new copywriter and I was in that networking environment was I would offer people, I'll do a 15 minute review of your website for you. You know, so that I'll, I'll walk you through and I'll, I'll see if you're making the common mistakes that are made there. You know, so I do something that is about, let me give you something before I ever ask for anything. Mm, beautiful. So Paul, let's just recap. That was an amazing summation of a really a marketing plan. But you're saying you're in a networking event, you don't know anyone there, but you do maybe a bit of research before you go, which is kind of integral, right? Mm -hmm. So you just don't rock up. Find out who's there. Small businesses, not for profits. So CEOs, whoever. And when you get your chance, you say, I work with small businesses and I help them. And then you identify what that problem might be. And then I've got this little gift here that if you're interested, I might be able to help you. And then you know, collect the cards or their details and off you go. It's a very simple process, but um, I think a lot of people get nervous about that, you know, because they feel that they don't have the qualifications necessarily. And I say to my students, if you've done my courses, you, you know probably more than 98% of people, you know, because they're not studying copywriting. They're not studying marketing. They're going at doing their thing. Mm. So I completely love that very simple but very powerful approach that um because you know you can't be all things to all people but once you've had that conversation and maybe you're talking to someone you do that chit chat you find it they're a doctor or they're a health professional suddenly you help medical professionals you know but if you do the listening first then yeah. you can start to tailor your your conversation for them so you can still keep it quite broad you know you don't have to say oh it's funny i work with you know, chiropractors as well. <laughs> so just, yeah. you know, I work in the allied health industry. So you don't have to yeah. be too obvious. But I really like that sense because um, if you know what people want and need before you start talking to them, you can tailor your, you know, your conversation for them. So let, let's talk about um, the copy and content because I know you have another process. So that's basically the umbrella process, which I completely love that concept of it, visualising, you know, out and giving people those the, understanding their problems but let's talk about the other process because it's in, incredibly relevant for copywriters as well so can you take us through that 
Yeah, so the primary principle or system that we teach all of our clients to follow is what we call the anchor um, principle. So it's really an acronym for that. So it's A-C-N-C-A, so five steps in the anchor system. So um, yeah, I think you know one of the issues for a lot of people when it comes to their marketing and to their copy creation and so forth is, that they fall into the trap of only seeing it as the acquisition strategy, the, the beginning point. And so obviously marketing is much more than that in terms of your mechanics of managing clients all the way through and getting them to become the most valuable asset they can be within your business that you're serving them fully. So the first A in the model is really about the attract. How do I attract an audience? So again, you know, that starts with understanding the audience. It starts with knowing what their pain point or challenge is. So if I'm going to attract somebody in, I'm not going to attract them by talking about myself and what I do. I'm going to attract them by focusing in on a challenge or an issue. And as you were just pointing out, you know, that the tighter I can make my niche, uh, the better off I'll typically find it. So uh, if I'm beginning and I'm exploring, as you say, keep listening and seeing and see if patterns start to emerge. So if you were in a networking event and you picked up, you know, the local chiropractor as a client, then you can start approaching other chiropractors or other health professionals and so forth and say, look, I really specialize in helping you in this area, this allied health to communicate because that's a big market and there's lots of opportunity there. But becoming known as that specialist in that space will be strong. So how do I attract? Well, I've got so the, the deeper I understand an audience, um, the easier it is for me to, to find the pain points for them um, and start to be able to communicate the thing that is really rocking them so when i'm speaking or writing um, typically what i'm doing all of the time is seeding ideas that are pain points so just seeding concepts that will cause someone to nod their head going yeah that's me so uh, i said one earlier which is um, you know uh, people who recognize there are people in their field in their industry right now who have less talent making more money. Well, that's a seeded pain point, if you like, because some people will come up to me later who, you know, become clients in the, you know, down the track and go, oh, when you said that, that really resonated. You know, that, that was me. That's what I'm tired of. I'm tired of watching all these people who aren't as good getting all the money. And so I want, you know, so there are different motivators for different people. So if you like, you're creating, um, you know, the, the primary pain point. So the first thing I'd say for anybody uh, listening is, write down the five primary pain points you believe you help clients to solve right now. What are the biggest challenges that they're facing? Um, and that will give you a starting point in terms of some content that you could start creating and building around those, you know, so you can dig into that. So that's the first. I've got to build content and information that's purpose is simply to attract people into my world to get their attention which is the hardest thing for us all to get these days so we're in a war for attention so how do i get it well the only way you're going to get it is if you talk to them about things that matter to them so that's step one step two then is now we want to connect so um if you're writing a great blog um, and that people come and read and you're creating content like that. You have a website that's, you know, well put together. The, the issue here is that that content, if you like, is still passive in the sense that you still don't know who's watching it, reading it. Now you can do some retargeting and chase people around with cookies and so forth, but you haven't actually started to build a, a real relationship or connection. 
So again, within some of your content, the you need to start creating the habit of giving people reasons to connect with you, to trade their name and their email in exchange for some, some data, some material. So whatever format that's taking, whether you're running a webinar, whether you're um, you know, doing uh, you know, that you've put together some sort of uh, cheat sheet or uh, an ebook or um, whatever form that it takes that you are offering it, um, that you've shot a mini course and there's, you know, three videos that I've recorded and you can take this course and it's free. All you need to do is give me that. That's your launch point. You must have the ability to create a connection point with, an, with the audience so that now you get to control the marketing journey rather than waiting for the client to, um, to to come to you and say you know can i buy please so we want to start um, creating that reason to connect so again getting uh if i'm writing blogs that probably at least uh at least one in four blogs is going to have a request to connect it's going to have a tool or a resource and i'm going to keep going back so again i'd encourage people don't think about oh gosh now do i have to build a tool every month you know it's not we should be building one really good tool that we keep reflecting back to from different angles um, as a starting point so you don't trying to create this huge body of work and that's another trap that i see a lot of people they fall into or they they choose to dive into is that they keep themselves busy doing the stuff that's non-revenue producing so this is not revenue producing yet so it's not about I'm in the business of continuously producing uh, lead magnets, as we call them. Um, and, and if that doesn't create any business, that's a, a waste of your time. So um, all of my clients, when they become part of our mastermind programs or whatever, they, they get different um, posters and, and things that we encourage them to put up on their walls. And one of the ones that we give people is a simple statement. It says, what have I done to earn money today? So just to continuously bring a, an entrepreneur back to the focus, it's about money. We, we are in business to make money and you shouldn't be ashamed of that. And, and if you are, you probably shouldn't be running your own business because it's going to be a long and difficult road. So, but you have to have time where you're focusing on your revenue generation. So that's the connect component. The next part of the journey is the N, um, which is nurture. So again, uh, most people are going way too fast and they are trying to go from um, cold to sold in one leap. And most people will, you know, uh, not respond well to that. I don't know many people who, when you are the consumer um, and you meet someone for the first time and they try to sell you immediately, enjoying that experience. So very few of us found our partner and married them, you know, on first dates. I know that's a show now, but you know, it's uh, not really the reality of how life works. So nurture is about a process. So uh, for a long time uh, from a nurture point of view, I've taught what I called the rule of six. So the rule of six was based on my music experience, that the principle that a song must be heard six times to start to seep into the mind where you start to recognize. And many of us, if you've over your life have been a commercial radio listener, will remember or know the experience of when a song gets added and you're unfamiliar with it, the temptation of going, oh, I'm not sure if I want to listen. You listen. But what you notice is by the end of even day one, it's been played a dozen times with the hope that you've heard it six times in that time and you move quickly from this i'm not familiar with that to oh there's that new song i really like that song and then you go out the other end of that which oh my god they're playing that again 
And so that journey happens from a music point of view. It happens in any marketing process is the building this familiarity. The rule of sixes um, had to change a little over the time. So I tend to, when I'm working with clients, talk about it as the rule of six by two now, because it'll take us as many as 12 or 15 touch points to get the same buyer to where we were getting them with six. But six is a good starting point for most people. Um, uh, and I, uh, this rule really got reinforced for me way back at the beginning of my um, journey. I was working with a coaching client and went out to meet this gentleman and went to his office. And he had uh, um, a couple of big bookcases filled with different sales and marketing books, many of which I'd read. But one caught my eye was a, a, a folder with from this American marketer who I'd heard Mitch mixed reports about he's very famous well known but i'd heard you know some people sort of talking about that they didn't get a lot out of it anyway so i said to him i see that you've done something with this marketer so tell me what was your what was your experience and he said look you know it was a one-day event this is he went to in the mid 80s and it was a thousand dollars for the day so it was quite expensive when you think you know relative to the period of time a thousand dollars for a day and he said the most valuable thing I got from the day actually came from the MC before the marketer even came on stage. That's where I got my biggest learning. I went, wow, okay, so I'm, I'm curious now. So what happened? He said, well, this is the way they did it. He said, to market the event, they started by sending out a glossy flyer, came to my post office box, you know, here's this day, um, sign up for the day. If you're not ready to sign up for the day, you can order a VHS video. Now, maybe some of your listeners too young to know what a VHS video is, but, you know, we all used to get these cassettes with uh, tapes in them, you know, and watch them on our TVs and so forth. So we had these VHS video and it was a VHS video, which an interview of this American marketer and a well-known American sales guy. And so he got the video, he watched the video. At the end of the video, it said, if you'd like to sign up for the day, do so. If you'd, or if you'd prefer, you can order this business analysis. So he ordered the business analysis. He completed the business analysis and, and on doing so, he decided to sign up for the day. So fast forward to the day, he's sitting in a room with about 200 people. MC comes out and says, ladies and gentlemen, um, before we bring out our marketing guru, can I ask everyone here who signed up after receiving the very first direct mail piece, can you please stand? And no one stood up. I don't know. That's interesting. He said, everyone who signed up after watching the video, please stand. And about eight people stood. Can everyone who signed up after completing the business analysis please stand? And my guy was like, I was pretty sure everyone must have done what I did. He said about 12 more people stood. So at this point, you've got about 10% of the room standing. As it turned out, they had seven sequences and the vast majority of people signed up on sequence six and seven. The reality of most small businesses is you're lucky if they have sequence one and two. So that gap of the inability to nurture people with value-based content for long enough means that what we end up being is the, the rule, the principle of the rule of six doesn't change. It will take it usually at least six contact points. The only thing is, the only question you have to ask is, are you simply a touch point in someone else's sequence? Because if you fail to put a fence around that customer at that moment, that's what you will become. They will go through that learning journey, but they'll just take your little touch point as one moment in that journey of learning. And then they'll move on to the competitor. And if that competitor then puts the fence around them, so the competitor might only take two or three times to get them because they've already been warmed up. So we've got to build sequences of, of nurture into our businesses to move a, a 
cold or a brand new prospect into the place where they're going to be ready and excited and predisposed to the idea of buying from us. So that's the nurture element of the anchor system. The second C in the model is convert. So obviously at the end of the day, we've got to turn them into customers. So again, we need a process. So the, the issue with conversion is that there's a couple of things that people do. One, they're basically um, leaving the customer to try and figure out which service or what they need to do, where they should be being funneled into a particular action point. So leading them in. So, you know, if it's copy, maybe, you know, and I'm uh, doing that, we think about what's the first sale point that I need. So it might be, so the first thing we need to do is a web review and our web reviews, let's make up a number. It's a hundred dollars to do a web review. Well, that's the first conversions point. That's the sale. That's, that's what I'm selling. So don't try and sell the big package. And so um, you know, I have all ranges of programs and, and fees that people pay, but I wouldn't walk out onto a stage in front of a brand new audience and try and pitch them on my biggest program from cold. Uh, I'm going to pick a low level starting point where it's logical for them to go. That's the first step. Let's start there. So many, many, many of my clients began by doing a very simple low end. So, you know, for me, low end is, you know, I have a 12-week marketing course that I've run for a long time that people do online. Um, people pay, you know, have paid various amounts over the years, you know, up $1,000, sometimes it's $500, you know, when it comes out. But that's been a very common starting point to a client who's ended up being maybe a thirty dollars or $50,000 a year client. But I never started with that conversation. I started where they were. So that's a key. The other part of your conversion that will help is once you um, are into a more of a consulting style with your client and you're having a conversation about where you want to go, you're finding out what they need, what they do, is one of the best lessons that I learned was the principle of good, better, best pricing. So certainly not a concept that I developed, but the idea of triplicate of choice, the idea that you don't give people yes or no. Once you've assessed an idea, you are presenting them with three phases, if you like, or three options to go through. So here's my base package, which will meet your needs. Here's the better package, got a few more bells and whistles, all my best. In terms of rough uh, guide as pricing, what I would suggest is that there is a gap between your good and you're better of about 15% or so. But from a value proposition point of view, that better should look at almost twice as good as the good. So I'm only paying 15% more, but it's stacked with so much more value. My best could be two, three, four times the price. It's actually kind of irrelevant because the job of best and good is to make better look in incredible. And we know statistically, we've tracked this, we've monitored this, that we know that on average, we get at least 65% of people choosing the better. So it pushes up your average order value. It gives you more scope to do a deeper body of work and therefore create better results. And so then it feeds itself. So um, you know, and if people want to go for the, the whole enchilada and, and just choose the best, then as, as my old mate Brad used to say, happy days smoking cigars, right? So it, that's, that's all good. But that's conversion. And the last part of the model is the uh, final A is ascension. So if you recognize that 
what is the full value of a client? What are all the things you could be doing? So again, to use, you know, from a copywriter's point of view. So we might begin with the idea that we're selling a single service, a, a project, a task that we're going to do. So let's say that we we start with the piece, the person's website. All right, so we're going to do a, a web a review and rewrite and and fix this website up so that you've got this good home in digital landing point. Great. So that's a project in and of itself. But what we need to then be doing is making sure that we're educating over time the client about the fact that. We now need to develop systems to drive people to your website. So we need an ongoing blog. We need social posts. We need this other activity. So most people do it the reverse way around. They're pumping money into the thing that's driving to their central machine and their central machine is not worth visiting. So that's a good place to start. So you can say, okay, you're wasting it. But that's where, you know, what I'm always encouraging my clients and working with my clients to do is make sure that we're, we're creating two streams of revenue always in a business. So new revenue in terms of project-based revenue, that one-off revenue and continuity income. I want a continuous flow. I mean, I've watched, uh, you mentioned, you know, how we met through, you know, the Speakers Association and, and getting up there. I've watched so many speakers um, throw in the towel and go broke because the only method of income earning was speaking, which is a one-off transactional job. Um, so you might get lucky and you get a few deal, you know, where you go and do a few workshops with a company or do those sort of things. But if you're a keynote speaker, I mean, they don't want the same keynote again. So unless you offer a deeper brand, they're not going to go anywhere with you. So having that as a business model to me has always been flawed. It's no, I want to be able to, I, I want to wake up. Um, and before I turn on a computer, before I do anything, I want to know how much money is going to be in my bank account before I've done any more work. And that's all continuity based. So I have a lot of people paying me money on a monthly basis um, that's coming in. So that revenue is, I can relax. I'm not constantly on the hunt for, you know, I've got to earn money today just to survive. And that's where a lot of people are. And of course I was there like everybody, when you're at the beginning, of course you're there, you're trying to build this, but just, keep in your mind that it's about, again, ascension is the process that comes after the client is in and engaged. And now I'm introducing you to the other services, not the other way around where I'm blasting all my services at you at the start and hoping you will pick one. So it's about building on that and saying, well, here's the next phase. Here's what we can do next. Um, and so that we can keep doing that. And, and so that's what you're looking to do. And if you are successful in doing that, then you're going to have a, a good life as a business owner. If you're not, then it's, you know, you kind of live on this hand to mouth, hoping that tomorrow brings a new customer. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, Paul. Now the anchor process, could you just maybe summarize those five steps again? Just in the Yeah, sure. The so, so the acronym is um, first A is attract. Yep. So what, what am I doing to attract? Two, uh, the C, connect. So I've got to be able to connect and capture the data. N, nurture. So develop relationships, hold on to your customer long enough for them to come by. Second C, convert. So I must be able to turn it into a sale. So I have a clear sales point. And the final A, ascend. So ascend them to their full value within the range of services you can offer. 
I could listen to you all day. This has been the easiest podcast. I've said barely a word because I'm just completely <laughs> absorbed with what you're saying. It's outstanding. And look, it comes with years and years and decades of experience, isn't it? You know, you've been doing this a long time. You've narrowed, you know, your processes down to what actually works. And it's really lovely to hear that. And I think what I, the, the listener will get from this is just the whole, not just what you're saying for their own business, but when they think about this is all the copy and content that other businesses need. Yeah. It's all content. Yeah, it's no all kinds of. Right? I mean, everyone who's listening to you right now, uh, who's a copywriter or a, a, a want to be copywriter, wherever they're at in their journey, that you are in a golden place, because there's I don't think there's ever been a greater need for content creation, and it's the biggest challenge that businesses face. So again, if you don't drop into convincing mode, but you you think about okay, helping them discover why you be of service, give them value first, uh, you will be in a really good place. It's a great a great career path or choice to have made from a from a business uh, point of view. The other thing I'd just point out quickly is um, that you for me learning always happens on a couple of levels so there's the 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 literal things that i'm saying but also to look between the lines at some of the things i'm saying so there's two things i've done uh, or shared in here uh, which are two models that i've created now when i started i didn't have those models so that is a function of experience and time but what i would encourage people is start thinking about the design of your own model create a model a framework of thinking um, for you the way that you go about it um, which you can then help educate a client about that that's becomes your signature your point of difference um, and that that's a, an element that you know in terms of creating a unique positioning is going to be really vital for you to start thinking that way in, in models and frameworks Beautiful. And look, I write books, obviously. That's what a lot of people know me for too. And, and the thing I'm always talking about is your model. And most books are based on a model. And the sooner you can get that model, the, the quicker you can own that IP and therefore you own that topic. And then when people come in, have got very similar things. It's like, well, that's already been done by whoever, right? Mm-hmm. So you can start to own the market without worrying about the competitors knocking at your door. So it's a, it's a lovely idea. And it's, it's any business can have a model. All you have to do is step people through your process. You know, I, I interview people and say, well, how do you do what you do? Well, I meet with them and then I give them this and then I give them that. I said, well, there's your model, you know, and just create yeah. an acronym or whatever it might be and you're on your way. So, Paul, I can't thank you enough for your time and your insights and wisdom. It's always a delight to speak with you. So thank you. Pleasure, pleasure. You heard it here from the man who has his finger on the pulse. Copywriters are in demand and will continue to be in demand. And the best part, every business needs a copywriter. Is that you? Well, maybe you're already a copywriter and want to get better at what you do. Work smarter, not harder. And just streamline what you're currently doing to build your confidence. Well, if that's you, check out Copy Club, Australia's most innovative and dynamic community for copywriters. Now, with Copy Club, you can find your tribe. You can access our incredible video series and unlock a host of templates that will give you the confidence you need to take your copywriting business to the next level. To find out more, check out copyclub.com.au. My joke of the day. What happened to the professional writer who had bowel surgery? He ended up with a semicolon. And my quote of the day from the one and only Philip Dusenbury. He said, 
I've always believed that writing advertisements is the second most profitable form of writing. The first, of course, is ransom notes. Thank you, Philip. Well said. Well, that's all from me. All the best and bye-bye.